listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Why don't you turn with me to Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11. If ever there was a passage of scripture that I would encourage you to commit to memory, Hebrews 11, 1 to 3 is it. Put it on the back of your toilet door, uh, on, your, on, on your fridge, and just get it into your heart and to your spirit. And uh, the Hebrew writer is writing on the subject of faith. And he says this, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by faith, people of old receive their commendation. And by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of God's heavenly broadband network. God's heavenly, you've heard of the national broadband network, God's heavenly broadband network. Now, the house where we live in suffers from internet connection problems. Can anybody else feel my pain here today? And so it's a real problem when you're in your favourite episode of a Netflix TV show or a Netflix movie and you're never going to get back that hour or two hours of your life ever again. And all of a sudden in that climactic moment when the plot is going to reveal who the mystery person is, the thriller is going to unfold, all of a sudden the devil decides to enter into your Netflix internet modem and the whole thing paralyzes and freezes and it doesn't matter how much holy water you throw on the internet modem or how many demons you cast out of that thing. It just does not move. Nothing changes. Nothing moves. Now, I'm told that the NBN, the National uh, Online Communications Infrastructure that's designed to improve the speed of online communications, is supposed to help this. I'm yet to see the fulfillment of that prophecy in our household. But I began to think about this national broadband network and how in the kingdom of God, God has a heavenly broadband network. And if we don't plug into God's heavenly broadband network, we're going to have connection problems in our relationship with God, in the things that we're hoping for in our lives. You can give and give and give, but if you're not connected to God's network, then you're not going to see a return and a harvest on your giving. You you can ask and ask and ask for for something to happen in your world. But if you're not connected to God's heavenly broadband network, you're not necessarily going to see an answer to that prayer. And what many of us do is when there is a lack of answers to prayer, is we blame the sovereignty of God. And we say, whatever will be, will be. I guess it's not in the will of God. And sometimes you could be right, but a lot of times you could be wrong. It's so important we don't blame the sovereignty of God for things our faith must take responsibility for. God's sovereignty will never do for you what God's Spirit has commissioned your faith to do. And some of us are waiting for God's sovereignty to kick in and do things for us that God's waiting for our faith to actually step in and begin to see manifest that which we're believing for. We we must never reduce our prayer lives to theory, 
by simply tolerating a lack of answer to prayer. Prayer becomes theoretical and dutiful when we, we simply tolerate the concept of prayer, but we never actually see anything materialize or break through because of our prayers. Now, when we were praying before in these prayer requests, we noticed that Pastor Craig used the term, you know, we believe. Someone's believing for a house. Someone's believing for a job. Someone's believing. And what can often happen is in a lifestyle of unanswered prayer, we simply tolerate prayer as a theory rather than actually understanding it. The reason Jesus taught us to pray The Lord's Prayer, which is actually the disciples' prayer, really, because Jesus never had to ask for forgiveness of sins. Only disciples have to ask for that. But but the Lord's Prayer, so it's been called, was not just taught us about connection with God. It was taught us so that we could get breakthroughs and answers to the petitions that we pray in our lives. You see, God's heavenly broadband network is what Paul describes as the spirit of faith. It's faith. Faith is a conductor of power. Doubt is an insulator from God's power. And so um, many of us are approaching God based upon our needs rather than based upon faith. We say, God, I have a need for healing. God, I have a need for money. God, I have a need for a relationship. God, I have practical needs. And we think that because, you know, maybe we've come to church or we've performed our religious duty. We've had devotions once this week. We even bought a coffee for a work colleague that we don't like too much. We, we smiled to, to, to someone walking across the road. We, we thought about lifting our hands in worship. And, and so some of us think because we performed our religious duty, therefore God God is obligated to perform on our behalf and meet our need. Then we say, well, it says in Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's true. But he doesn't meet your needs because you've got a need. There are lots of needs in this room today that are unmet. There are lots of needs on planet earth in the city of Melbourne that are unmet. It's not that God is not compassionate towards those needs. It's not that God doesn't care or love you concerning your need. It's just that God is not moved by your need as much as he is moved by your faith. It does not say without needs, it's impossible to please God. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must what? Believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, in Mark 9, 23, a father brought his tormented son to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you can do anything, help my son. Jesus says, if I can It's like, you know, about to launch into mockery. If I can, all things are possible for one who believes. And the father responds just like you and I. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but I got some doubts as well. Has anyone ever been there? I believe that you are the son of God, Jesus, but I'm wrestling with assurance of my faith. I believe that you can provide my needs and work, but there are some practical things going on in my life that I'm in a storm and I'm wondering whether you're asleep. I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, science has broken the sound barrier. Humanity has broken the, the sin barrier. I believe God's looking for some believers today to break the doubt barrier in their life so that we can live a life of overcoming. 
book of Hebrews is written to believers who are really capitulating under the pressure of persecution to give up their faith in Jesus Christ, to return to a former approach of of relationship with God that is based upon our works rather than his free gift of righteousness. So too in our culture, we are under pressure in Melbourne, in Australia, to give up faith in Jesus Christ and rest upon something else other than what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. Jesus said, he prophesied, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Implying that in the last days at his return, people of faith could be a rare breed species of people. This message of faith is not only pivotal to the Christian faith, but it's absolutely fundamental for every one of us to understand and wrap our minds around because it affects everything in terms of you accessing the kingdom of God. Everything in the kingdom of God is accessed by God's sovereign grace and your faith. So one of the things that we've got to learn is, Lord, teach us about faith. How does this work? And one of the things about faith is that faith possesses God's now will for your life. The Hebrew writer begins by saying, now faith is. One of the things you've got to understand about God is He dwells in the eternal realm. He is not bound by time, space or matter. He is not limited by the limitations of time, of space and of matter. He is the eternal I am. He says to Moses, tell them I am sent you. Now, if I was Moses and asking for some confirmation on who shall I say sent me to go and challenge the greatest leader at that time in the greatest empire at that time, Pharaoh of Egypt, uh, I am who I am sent me to tell you, let my people go. Those of you who know the story, others of you don't. When, when God says, I am, for me, when I hear that, I go, that's not very helpful. Like, why, why not, you know, almighty creator of the heavens and the earth? And all God said was, I am is sending you. But what God was doing, he was downloading to Moses a revelation of his nature, who he is. He was saying, before you were Moses, I am. As you are right now, I still am. After you're gone, I will still be, I am. I dwell in the eternal realm, which in God, the eternal realm is always now. So faith reaches out into the eternal nature and realm of who God is and possesses God's now will for our lives. Isaiah 43, 19, the prophet says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I looked at that and began to think about how many of the now purposes and will of God in my life have I missed because I lack the spiritual perception of faith to see what God was actually trying to do in my life at that time. See, the Bible talks about, well, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Brilliant. Yes, that is true. But there are 5,476 promises in the Bible. Which one of them is your faith coming into agreement with? All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But whether or not those, any one of those promises manifest in your life will be according to your agreement by faith. 
I heard Phil Pringle, leader in Sydney, done amazing things, planted several hundred churches, etc., etc. He said that in his lifetime, he's only believed and conceived 12 promises in the Bible that he is aware of. I go, if that, all of that fruit is in that man's life, but he's only come into agreement with 12. What if I come into agreement with like three? That would be pretty awesome. Because we often hear the preacher and we read the promise and we go, that's yes and amen. But how are you actually partnering with that promise in faith to see it materialize in your life? Many of us are waiting for God to do something in our tomorrow when God is waiting for you to come into agreement with His now will for your life today. And so the question that I want to ask you is, what is God's word for you right now in your life? What is God speaking? What is God saying? How is he? Because when Jesus moved in miracles, he, he did not just have a heart to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, uh, teach the word. He had this connection with his father where he was getting a heavenly download in this hour, on this day of, of the father's now will for his life. And the miracles were interventions of what God wanted to do now in people's lives. It requires an intimate connection. You see, what a lack of faith doesn't agree with, our flesh will try and manipulate. Just like Israel at the foot of the promised land, when a lack of faith stopped them from going into the promised land and God's judgment came down and said, you're going to spend the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. It was only supposed to take 11 days, but 40 years you're going to wander around in the wilderness. All of Israel said, oh, in that case, let's pick up our weapons and in the arm of the flesh, let's try and go into the promised land. And they could not uh, conquer the promised land or enter the promised land because they tried to manipulate in their flesh what God wanted them to possess by faith. There are some things in God you cannot manipulate. You cannot just practically network your way to it. You cannot just try and work harder for it. All of those things are good and okay, but there comes a time where if you're going to step into the fullness of the promise of God in your life, it's going to require the spirit of faith to rise up and possess God's now will for your life. You see, faith is not only present tense, but it's defined by two things. Faith is assurance and conviction in something, in a thing, in an object, in a goal. Faith is not presumption and faith is not optimism. I've met several people that, you know, in the self-help industry and whilst I've preached in churches a lot of the time, I've also um, spoken in uh, corporate sector and different business uh, environments. And I met a lot of people who are in the self-help industry, that's good and okay, but but just because they're optimistic or have a positive attitude doesn't mean they're moving in faith. And it doesn't mean that they can access the supernatural realm because while optimism and a positive attitude would be in the orbit of the planet of faith, it's not what faith essentially is. Faith is assurance and conviction. It's assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So your faith for it to work needs a thing. It needs an object. It needs a goal. Without a goal, faith will lie dormant. Think about when Jesus did the original moonwalk before Michael Jackson, there was Jesus. And Jesus doing the original moonwalk across the Sea of Galilee. 
The disciples see Jesus, they freak out, think it's a ghost. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Jesus. And so Jesus is walking past and defying the laws of gravity. After their freak out, the apostle Peter likes what he sees and says, Jesus, I want to do what you do. I want to, I'm going to try that too. I want to walk on top of the water. But before Peter actually walks on water, he understands something. I need a word from Jesus in order to do this. If Peter had stepped out of the boat and walked on top of water just because Jesus was doing it, it would have been presumption. But because he got a word from Jesus, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come. And in that one word was all the provision and assurance and conviction that Peter needed to exercise his faith to walk on top of the water. Because for Peter, if Jesus says it, that settles it. Some of you are like, you know, I'm not sure. I'm a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. Don't doubt. You'll be like a wave of the sea. But once you get a word from Jesus about your business, about your marriage, about your kids, about your health, about, and many of us are trying to find the answer, what you've got to get. Lord, what are you saying to me? What's your word to me right now? And as you hear that word, it's no longer presumption and optimism. It's assurance and conviction. And the greatest assurance and conviction that you can have as a believer is Jesus Christ once and for all sacrifice on the cross. That's what the first 10 chapters of the book of Hebrews is about. It's about setting up a foundation. The reasons why we can live the life of faith practically in Hebrews 11 and in Hebrews 12 because of what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying, I've done everything necessary for you to live in freedom and no longer be a slave to sin. He was saying, I've done everything necessary for you to walk a, a life of victory and overcoming. A life of victory and overcoming does not deny the facts of life. It does not deny the realities of life. It just believes in spite of them. Sometimes we think that faith is like, you know what? The pain isn't there. The pain isn't there. Now everyone around you go, the pain is there. The issue is there. The problem is, oh, no, it's not. It's not there. No, faith doesn't deny the obvious. Faith says, I see it for what it is. I recognise it for what it is, but I still believe anyway. I believe that He is faithful. I believe that He will move. I believe His nature is exceedingly good towards me. I believe. That is what faith is. 1 John 5, 5 says, Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Not only that, but the entire foundation of your relationship with God is by grace through faith. It's by your faith, not your works, by your faith that God commends you as righteous. This is what the Hebrew writer is trying to say. He goes, the people of old, the people of faith, received their commendation as righteous because of their faith, because of what they did with their faith. When Noah built an ark, when there was no evidence of rain for 100 years under ridicule and mockery, God looks at that and says that act of obedience is righteous. When Abraham and Sarah conceived and gave birth to a child at 190 years of age, their biology and physiology is not supposed to work at that point for childbearing. 
And yet God looks at it and says, because you trusted in the promise and in me, that's righteous. God repeats four times in the Bible, the righteous shall live by faith. There is this link between our righteousness in Christ, which is actually Christ's righteousness in us, and our faith. Ephesians 2.8, we're saved by grace through faith. If grace is the water, faith is the pipeline. Let me say that again. If grace is the water, faith is the pipeline. There is enough grace to go around for every person on the planet. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. There's enough grace in this room for whatever need you have in your life. And I say that speaking to you today as someone who has needs in their personal life. Not speaking from a place of of, all my life is perfect and rosy. I know exactly what it's like to be in a place of lack, exactly what it's like to be in a place where family members are far away from the Lord and and more living for the kingdom of darkness than the kingdom of light. I know what it's like to lose a mother two and a half years ago at 59 years of age after 20 years of battling a lung disease that we believe for in faith. I know there is enough grace to go around for everyone. And I say that knowing and experiencing the contradictions that life gives us but here's the deal if you don't build a pipeline of faith you don't have any access to that grace the water's flowing out of your belly Jesus said shall flow rivers of living water speaking about the power of the spirit of God and 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 the spirit of grace that's flowing through our lives but if we don't build our faith through his word we do not have a pipeline for that water to actually influence our souls and our lives you see faith not only accesses grace but it perceives in the spirit what reason cannot comprehend in the natural faith perceives in the spirit what logic and reason cannot access it cannot comprehend in the natural thank God for common sense thank God for logic we're lacking common sense in our culture A bit of common sense would take us a whole lot further. Praise God for common sense. God's given you a brain to use. He's given you wisdom and logic and experience to to build your life upon. But the Hebrew writer says, not by logic we understand. He said, by faith we understand. There are some things that you'll never understand except but by faith. Our culture has replaced that phrase, that truth, by faith we understand, with by education we understand. Now, I'm pro-education. I've been educated. Encourage you to get as educated as you possibly can. But here's the deal. If your education is greater than your revelation of who God is, you're going to struggle to live by faith. That's just full stop right there. Go to the bank with it. There it is. Because many of us are saying when it comes into this space in this moment with God and God puts an unreasonable request on our hearts. Today, I want you to give that into the offering. Well, that's illogical. According to my accountant and my education, that's not a good stewardship move. But faith says, I understand it. 
Because I heard it when, 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 when God says, hey, I want you to go on that mission trip. Hey, I want you to start that church. Hey, I want you to start that business. Hey, I want you to move from here. to And, and all of this sort of stuff, our logic, our reason, our education kicks in and says, I don't understand. But what your education won't understand, the spirit of faith will rise up and understand and begin to lay hold of the supernatural power of God in your life. When my father had a malignant tumour on his tongue, Went to reason and reason said, we're going to have to cut out half your tongue. Not good. He's a preacher. Half a tongue is not good for a preacher. And, 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 and he heard what reason said. He went back to the church that as a little boy, I remember him picking up the Bible, coming to the altar of the church and for the next five days, hours a day, he was reading what faith said. He heals all our diseases. He forgives all our iniquity. By his stripes I am healed. And, he, and in his limited speech, he began to prophesy over his tongue and pray over in weeping and gnashing of teeth. He was lifting up his offering to God. Well, a week later, he goes back to reason. He's consulted faith all week. He's understood some things by faith. He comes to reason a week later and the doctor says, the tongue looks different. We need to test again. He brought the original test results out with the second test results and says, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. We don't have to operate like we heard this morning because it's no longer malignant. It's benign. It's gone. And my dad said, I understand. Faith understands. God has this unreasonable habit of asking you and I to do illogical, unreasonable, uncomfortable things. But if you're going to live the life of faith, you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Comfortable with... I, I used to hate that when people would tell me that. I'd be like, I want to be comfortable. Does anyone else want to be comfortable? We spend exorbitant amounts of money to be comfortable, don't we? You know, and, and we want a comfortable life. But if you're going to follow Jesus... You've got to learn the life of faith is sometimes uncomfortable to your flesh, but it's totally comfortable to your spirit because the Prince of Peace that we were singing about before lives in me, lives in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You can't tell me when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac, his flesh was just going yippee and he was just totally cool about it. No, his flesh was, he was anxious. He would have been fearful. He would have been like, God, who are you to ask such a thing? But something in his spirit said, God, I trust you. I understand your, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So not only will Will faith be required to materialise what's in the invisible realm into the visible realm? Faith has got to be activated. And it's activated by three things, really quickly. It's activated by what you hear, by what you declare, and by what you obey. The Hebrew writer says, the universe was created by the Word. The declared Word of God so that what is seen wasn't made out of things that are visible. Firstly, you've got to hear God's Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Why is preaching still relevant and powerful today? Because it builds and activates faith. Why is prophecy and, and encouraging people with a prophetic word so powerful? Because it builds faith. We're not just got to hear God's logos, His written Word. We've got to hear God's rhema-inspired Word. Not just what he said, but what is he saying? Once you hear it, we've got to start to declare it. 
We've got to partner with that declaration. We've got to walk around the house and start to prophesy over our kids and prophesy over our bodies and prophesy over our finance and prophesy over our lives, prophesy over our loved ones. And you're going to think you're crazy. You've lost it and it doesn't make sense. But as you hear it and declare it, something happens in the supernatural realm. And not only do you hear and declare, but then you've got to obey what God asks you to do. Faith apart from works is dead. I think the best definition of faith I've ever heard is faith is obedience to the point of risk to yourself. Faith is obedience to the point of risk to yourself. If there's no margin for risk or error, it's probably not faith. So for me, several years ago, I remember when my wife and I, we'd planted a church. We're in the second year of the church. We needed $100,000 to secure this facility and fit out a part of it. We're a young church, maybe 140, uh, maybe a little bit more than that people. We didn't have $100,000. We weren't supported by any other, uh, the strength of any other church. And so we, we just started to pray. God, it's amazing when you have lack and you've got no natural means, you'll find a prayer life. Have you found that? Don't wait till you have a crisis before you find your prayer life. Get your prayer life now set up. When the crisis comes, you'll handle it much better, right? So, so we, we're praying, Lord, we need this and we need this by this date. And, and the Lord says to me, son, I'm going to give you the money. That's what I first initially heard. I'm like, I, I just heard that. I said, Samaya, did you just hear that? And she's like, hear what? And, and, and I said, I, I felt like God just said, son, I'm going to give you the money. So I start walking around the house. Thank you, Jesus, for them. I start to declare it. I hear it. I declare it. A little bit later on in the prayer time, God says, son, I want you to run from Sydney to Melbourne to raise the money. At that point, I said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That is from the pit of hell. That is not from you, God. Oh, I curse the enemy and all of his works of darkness. What is going on here, right? Two hours later, after I'm meditating upon this ridiculous word from God, I'm like, I reckon this is from God. I go back to the team the next day. I said, this is how we're going to raise the money. Your pastor's going to run from Sydney to Melbourne. They looked at me like you're looking at me right now. This guy's crazy. Then they burst into laughter and clapped and said, pastor, you're going to be amazing. We'll stay here and cheer you on, right? Well, everyone doubted. Three months later, we launched out from Hillsong Church, Sydney. Two weeks later, we arrived 1,172 kilometres later at our church in Melbourne, and we'd raised $160,000 in two weeks. True story. We went from no money and a word that we heard and declared and obeyed to more than enough money to do what God had called us to do. What is it that God is asking you to do? What is the need that you, if I'd have just said, God, here's a need. So you're obligated to meet it and just sit on my blessed assurance and wait for him to come and do something, we'd still be waiting for 100,000. But I heard, I declared, and I obey. And God's heavenly broadband network is not limited by the size of your mountain. God knows what to do with mountains. He, he created Mount Everest. He's not intimidated by your mountain. He's not sitting there scratching his head going, I just don't know what we're gonna do. No, no, no. God's heavenly broadband network is only limited 
by what we are doing or not doing with the size of our faith. That's what was happening with this father when he brings his son to the disciples and the disciples cannot minister freedom to the boy. And the father then comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, please help. Jesus helps. And behind the scenes, the disciples get with Jesus and say, why the disconnect in the heavenly broadband network? Why has the screen frozen? Why didn't it work? And Jesus simply says, because of what you didn't do with the size of your faith. He said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, which says that they had less than a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.